Welcome to SuccessfulSavior.org, the ministry of Harmony Primitive Baptist Church in Donaldson, Arkansas. This is Elder Neil Phelan, Jr., preaching in our regular Sunday morning service. If you have your Bibles, let's turn to Luke chapter 15. I've been looking at this chapter for the last couple of weeks. This chapter is about lost things, and that's what I want to speak to you about this morning is the subject of lost things. There's three parables that Jesus puts forth in this chapter, a lost sheep, a lost silver coin, and a lost person. Now, when we talk about being lost, a person can be lost naturally, and they can also be lost spiritually. If you're lost naturally, of course, you... Uh, can't find your way back home. (laughs) But being lost spiritually is a child of God that either has no relationship with Christ or they've lost that relationship with Christ and with His church and with His people. Now you may disagree with me this morning, but I believe a person would be lost if they're not involved with the person of Jesus Christ and in His house. I know that a person could be a child of God and maybe not be in church or not go to church, but they would be lost to that relationship with Christ and with His people. That would be a sheep that is lost from the pasture of the great shepherd. And this chapter begins with the person of Jesus Christ, and we always like to read about Him. If you love Him, you want to hear the stories about Him the things he said, the things he preached. So let's just read the first short parable here about the lost sheep. Then drew near unto him all the publicans and sinners for to hear him. And the Pharisees and scribes murmured, saying, This man receiveth sinners and eateth with them. And he spake this parable unto them, saying, and by the way, he speaks more than one parable here. He's going to speak three. What man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he lose one of them, doth not leave the ninety and nine in the wilderness and go after that which is lost until he find it? And when he hath found it, he layeth it on his shoulders, rejoicing. And when he cometh home, he calleth together his friends and neighbors, saying unto them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep which was lost." And I say unto you that likewise joy shall be in heaven over one sinner that repenteth more than over ninety and nine just persons which need no repentance. Now, as I said, we like to hear about Jesus Christ, about the things he said, the sermons he preached. And I hope we always remember in our church that that's the most important thing in our own personal lives is to have a relationship with him. That's what the gospel is all about. It's to bring us into a relationship with the person of Jesus Christ. Uh, We preach a lot about election and predestination and the doctrines that we rejoice in in this church. But we need to always remember that those things are not to be preached apart from the person of Jesus Christ. I believe there are those that can get all caught up in the doctrine. They can rejoice in election and predestination and some of those things that uh, we believe in. But yet, they can believe in those things, but yet, they can become so doctrinal-minded that this relationship with Christ is all but lost. 
And so here we find this beginning with the person of Jesus Christ. The publicans and sinners, they drew near unto him to hear what he had to say. Now Jesus, the great thing about this is we see that Jesus Christ was not a recluse. He wasn't a person that was kind of holier than thou. Well, he could have been, but he didn't sit over in a corner somewhere and say, you know, I really don't need to hang around those normal people, uh, those publicans and sinners. I'm going to be around those people. And he was around them for a reason. He wanted to give them a message. And he wanted that message to be something that would help them be found and no longer lost. And, you know, I trust that's always a message that we can preach from this pulpit. Whoever you are here this morning, we hope that it's a message that you can hear and that will lead you closer to the person of Jesus Christ and to his church and to his people. That's what we want to do when we're preaching. That's the purpose of our church, to shine a light for those who may not know Jesus Christ or, or may need to be brought into a closer relationship to Him or have fallen away from Him because we all find that struggle in our personal lives is trying to maintain that relationship with Jesus Christ. And so the publicans and sinners are coming over to hear Him and we find the Pharisees are judging Him. And I like that because the, common, the Bible says in Mark, the Gospel of Mark, that the common man heard Him gladly. So common people like to come and hear Jesus preach. He didn't use words that were so large that they couldn't understand it. He didn't speak platitudes and things that were complicated. He did speak in parable. But the common people came to hear Jesus Christ. That means that mothers, fathers, young people, teenagers, even young people, they wanted to come and hear Jesus Christ preached, and they were able to understand the things that he taught. And I think that's important in a church is when we're preaching. We want everybody at every age level to be able to come into God's house and understand the message that we're preaching and get something out of it that they can take home and meditate upon during the week and maybe read a little bit about it in the scriptures. And so here's Jesus Christ, a person possessing all knowledge, and he could have used all kinds of big words, and he's preaching... And common people, they came to hear him gladly. Well, the scribes and the Pharisees were over there murmuring, and they were saying, this man receiveth sinners and eateth with them. So obviously from the very beginning, I don't think they're going to get much out of this message. Do you? <laughs> they're judging this Jesus, and they're accusing him of sitting with publicans and sinners. Well, I don't know about you this morning, but I'm glad that he does that. <laughs> I'm glad that Jesus Christ has an interest and publicans and sinners, because if he didn't, he certainly would have never had an interest in me or found me or brought me to a place to know the gospel and understand it, to a place that I love him and have a relationship with him. So they're murmuring and uh, they're, they're judging Jesus Christ. And so Jesus knew what they were thinking. And so Knowing they're judging him and they're judging these sinners over here that Jesus Christ is trying to save. He gives these three parables and the first one is this parable of the sheep. A man has a hundred sheep and he's lost one and he goes out to find that sheep. Now when you think about that I'm thinking well now if I had a dollar and I lost a penny I don't know if I'd be that really upset about finding that extra penny. But this tells us that Jesus Christ has an interest in every one of his sheep. 
If you belong to the Lord, I want to promise you something this morning, that you're important to the person of Jesus Christ. He wants to have a relationship with you. He wants you to be a part of his fold, his kingdom, a part of his church. He wants you to speak to him, to talk to him, to pray to him, to have a relationship with him. And so we start out with this parable about the lost sheep. Now, I've been lost a few times. I I thought about three different times I've been lost, and I learned something each time that I was lost. Now, this is a lost sheep, but I've been lost naturally, and I've been lost spiritually in my experience. Uh, As I mentioned, the Lord's found me. I'm I'm in His church. I rejoice in being here and rejoice in the truth of His Word, reading the Bible and being with you guys. But I learned some things being lost naturally. One time I was uh, hunting over here close to Leon's house down in the woods by the creek. And so I walked down the creek and I was squirrel hunting and had my shotgun. And so I sat down. I thought, you know, I'm going to sit down here and, and just see if a squirrel will come out and maybe get me a squirrel today. And while I was sitting there, I went to sleep. Well, <laughs> I woke up and I, I was sure of which side of the creek I was on. And so I thought, well, I'm just going to go on back home. So I started walking back to the house and... I thought I was walking in the right direction, but I walked and I walked and I walked. I thought, I didn't think the road was that far. And I kept walking and I came out on the backside over there on the gravel road. I thought, I've been walking the wrong direction for 30 minutes trying to find my way out. You know, I learned something about that. You can be lost and not even know it. Did you know that in this world that You can be lost spiritually and not even know you're lost. These Pharisees and scribes that were judging Jesus Christ, they were lost and they didn't even know it. (laughs) Jesus is going to preach a message to them and they could get something out of it if they were listening. But they didn't even realize the condition that they were in. They were judging Jesus Christ, the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Well, there was another time that I got lost. I was uh, with my brother, and we were with my dad. We were at deer camp, and so we decided we were, again, going to go shoot a squirrel somewhere. So we went down in the woods, carried our guns. We got down there, and, uh, and of course, I was just trusting my dad. I wasn't even paying any attention, and so we got ready to come out. And we walked and walked and walked and walked. And it was like that story you see on television. You keep coming around to the same tree. (laughs) You walk for a while. Here you go. Uh, We were here just a few minutes ago, weren't we? (laughs) Yeah. So we were walking in circles. I learned something from that experience as well. Don't always rely on somebody else to lead you along in your life. We need to learn how to keep our direction, our own selves, and not trust in everybody else. That's why our sight should always be on the person of Jesus Christ. You know, I learned that when you're in the woods and you're walking, the best thing that you can set your sights on is the sun. And Jesus Christ is the bright and the morning star. And when we keep our sight on him, then we're not going to get lost in this world. Now, if it's cloudy... You better find something else. (laughs) But on a sunny day, you keep your eye on the sun, and that'll keep you from getting lost. But you know, when you get lost, 
You can exert a lot of energy, can't you? You can waste a lot of time. You can use up a lot of precious resources all the time that you're lost. And sometimes you don't even know what you're doing. Now, I was lost a third time. And this was down in the smack over bottoms. I was at college and I was hunting with a friend of mine down there. Again, we were squirrel hunting. That's usually when I got lost. <laughs> and so we were in these really big woods. I'd never been there before. And I thought, you know, I'm going to walk down this creek. And if I stay on this creek, I will be able to find my way out. Well, I didn't notice that as I was walking down the creek that it had all these little branches. It was a big creek and had all these little branches that went off from the creek. And I walked till it got just about dark. And I decided, well, you know, I better turn around and go back. So I turned around to go back and I noticed all these other little creeks coming off of the big creek. And I didn't remember which creek I came in on. To say the least, I was very lost that day. That's the lostest I've ever been. I didn't know which way to go. I walked and walked, and I thought, I'm just going to have to sit down like they, they say to do and just wait until somebody finds me. Well, it was dark by this time, and I thought I heard something way in the distance. At first, I thought, it's either a mosquito. Maybe there's a mosquito in my ear. <laughs> no, it's a horn. It's a horn of a truck. <laughs> So I started trying to move towards that horn in that truck, and after about 30 minutes and wading through some sloughs in the middle of the night, I finally got back to my destination. But again, you learn this lesson. There's a lot of parallels between being lost naturally and being lost spiritually. You know, I wasted a lot of time. I was worried. I was upset. Um, I was wet. But you learn that you need to have a sure compass something that you can rely on in your life spiritually and in if you're out in the woods. Now, we got God's Word to guide us. We got the person of Jesus Christ to keep us from getting lost. And I think that's important for us to always remember in our personal lives, to try to maintain that relationship with Jesus Christ. As Jesus is talking about this lost sheep, this person is diligently looking for the sheep. And Jesus Christ, I believe, looks for us. Uh, he watches over us. He cares for us. And he's giving us, and he's giving the Pharisees as well, all the people that were listening to him, an example of how he cares for his people. Now, that's a wonderful thought for us this morning, because sometimes in our relationship with God, we think that he really just doesn't care about us. We can feel that way when things don't go the way that we want them to go. We go through trials. We look at, back at the life of Job. You know, Job was a person that could have thought, well, the Lord really doesn't care anything about me. He's going through all these trials in his life. Well, the Lord loves us no matter what's going on in our life. He's always good, isn't he? He's good to us. He's good to all of his people. I remember talking to a person not too long ago, and he was telling me about his investments and the things that he had sold and how much money he had made on them the last week. And then he finally just said, you know, God is good. I thought, does that make God good? Is God only good when we sell things and we make a profit and everything's going, going right for us and it seems like the birds are singing and everything's going great? No. God is good even when things are going bad in our lives. He's always good. He's always good to us. He is a good God, and He's blessed us with so many wonderful things. So, He's calling His neighbors, and He's rejoicing, for He's found the sheep which was lost. 
the Lord is very pleased and happy any time that one of his people are found. They're found to the truth. They're found to his house. They're found to the relationship with him and their own personal lives. And I want you to notice an example that he uses here. I say unto you that likewise joy shall be in heaven over one sinner that repenteth more than over ninety and nine just person which need no repentance. Now, are there ninety nine people that do not need to repent somewhere? <laughs> are there? Is there anybody here this morning that needs no repentance? No. <laughs> You see what Jesus is saying? He's taken this message of something being lost. And I want you to see this this morning. He's taken this message of something that is lost. And he's kind of turned it on its head. And he opens up this subject of repentance. Now, we, at first we were thinking, well, Jesus has a lost sheep out there, and we're just, he's, he goes and he finds it, and, and that's all there is to it. You know, he's going to find me, and he's going to just place me in the church, and he's just going to make me have a relationship with him, and it's just all going to happen like that. You know what? Any relationship that we have in our life requires work. Work. In your marriage, a relationship with your husband requires work. A relationship with your wife requires work, prayer, a little meditation on what you should not say or what you should say. You know, relationships, it takes work. And Jesus Christ is talking about this sheep. He's found it. But then he talks about repentance. Repentance. Everybody in here, including myself, has something to repent of. Or maybe we should say some things. Maybe we need to repent because we haven't been repenting. I mean, that's a sober thought, isn't it? Have you ever gone through your last week or maybe the last day and thought to yourself, hmm, are there some things I need to check the box on here and Maybe I need to be repenting about. <laughs> you know, it's kind of being honest with the Lord is when we start to repentance, start to do some repentance in our life. Repentance is a mature Christian discipline. Mature Christian discipline. Because we find those that are very shallow in their experience with God and with the person of Jesus Christ that either do little or no repentance. And that's something that is worthy of our time and meditation every day. I love the psalmist as he wrote, Lord, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight. That's a great prayer every morning that will cause us to think about the things we think about and the things that we say every day. All of us have something to repent of. It's like the child that comes to the parent and says, I'm wrong and I'm sorry. That's a mature child, isn't it? When they begin to do things like that. I think that repentance is one of the first signs 
of spiritual life. That we come to that place that we recognize that we have offended God and we have offended his son. We must remember that it was upon the cross that Jesus Christ died and paid for our sins. That's where he suffered for our sins. And our sins are what made him suffer. And so we should be sorrowful for anything that we would have caused Jesus Christ to suffer for. Our behavior has changed, our life has changed when we begin to repent. It's a sure sign that our eyes have been opened to the very presence of sin. We can, I think some people live their entire life, especially if they're not born of God's Spirit, and their eyes have never been opened to the presence of sin. They can sin and there is no remorse. We need to understand that as Christians, that there are people in this world that have no remorse for sin, no regret. They feel no pain for it. But it is the Holy Spirit that convicts our heart of our sin and brings us to that place that we would repent of our sin. Sometimes in our experience, we're looking for some big thing to do in God's church. We think we've got to do something big. But you know, repentance is something that's very small that everyone can do any time of the day or night, and it's something that's very pleasing to the Lord Jesus Christ. It's one of the first steps of spiritual growth. And I believe that when we repent of sin or sins, I don't know about your experience, but for myself, I like to get the slate clean and just go through everything I can think of. And by the way, sometimes it's, it's painful to do it. It's painful to tell our parents that we have done wrong or anybody else. If you've offended your wife or your husband, isn't it kind of painful when you say, I'm wrong? And I've done something, it is a pain, it's a blow to our pride is what it is, and maybe to our, even to our ego. But to me, it gives a sense of cleanliness, a refreshing, a restoration in our relationship with God. It's a wonderful thing that God's given us. I mean, it's not a bad thing. Somebody might say, Brother Sonny's up there this morning preaching about repentance, and this is, you know, not a really lifting sermon, but it should be. Because repentance is something that God has, has given to us, that we can get back into his presence. I would say it's the bridge we walk over into God's presence and into his kingdom is what repentance is all about. Because I don't think that we can actually get into the kingdom if we don't do a little repenting. Unless you've lived a perfect life until you got here. <laughs> if you did everything right, okay. But uh, if you didn't, then you've got some repenting to do. Spurgeon said this about repenting. He said, if I hate sin because of the punishment, I've not repented of sin. I merely regret that God is just. But if I can see sin is an offense against Jesus Christ and loathe myself because I have wounded him, then I have a true brokenness of heart. Isn't that right? I mean, we, we could be sorrowful because God might punish us or we've you know, gone through some trials in our life because of our sin and maybe, you know, I'm, but the, when it comes down to it, the, the offense is against God. That's where the brokenness should be that brings us to the place of repentance. There's another place that Jesus gave a parable about repentance. It's over in Luke 18. You don't have to turn over there. You're probably familiar with this parable, but it's about the uh, two men that were praying. One was a Pharisee and the other one a publican. 
Again, we got the publican and we got the Pharisee. <laughs> Apparently, this, these two people were quite different in that day, and I'm sure we've got those kind of people today. And so the Pharisee uh, went to the temple, and he, he stood and prayed thus with himself. God, I thank thee that I'm not as other men are, extortioners, unjust adulterers, or even as this publican. I fast twice in the week. I give tithes of all that I possess. And the publican was just standing over there afar off. He wouldn't even lift up his eyes unto heaven, but smote upon his breast and said, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. Well, that wasn't a very long prayer, was it? The other one was pretty long. And he was talking about the good things he did. I do this, I do that, I don't do this, I don't do that. And basically, I'm the, I'm the one. I'm the person that you should be blessing. Because I'm doing all these good things. Well, the publican just said, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. And Jesus said, I tell you that this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone that exalteth himself shall be abased, and he that humbleth himself shall be exalted. So here we see the blessing of repentance. That God gives us this opportunity to repent of our sins, and he likes it. The other guy didn't say anything bad about himself, but this person didn't even feel worthy to enter into God's presence and ask for anything. But that cry of God be merciful to me, a sinner, is a sure sign of spiritual life. Just like a baby's cry when it comes forth from the womb of his mother, we know the man was alive and he felt the regret for his personal sin. And so... As I read this, and this person is saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. He didn't give any specific sin. And sometimes in our prayers here, we say, Lord, forgive us of our sins. And we're in public. But I believe when we're in private, we need to be a little more specific about that. We can just say, Lord, forgive me, a sinner. But what kind of sinner am I? What kind of sins have I really committed? Am I just a generic sinner? Are my sins just basic generic things that I really can't put my finger on it? I know I'm a sinner, but I can't put my finger on any of the sins that I'm committing. Are we those kind of sinners? Or are we specific sinners? Do we commit specific sins? Yeah, yeah, we, we commit specific sins. And those are the ones that we should be telling the Lord about because he already knows it anyway. But the promise of repentance is found in 1 John 1 and 9, and I love this. Because it tells me that when I go to my Heavenly Father and I ask forgiveness and I'm honest with Him and I ask Him to forgive me, that He's always going to do it. Did you know that's basically what every father should be like? <laughs> we should always forgive. In 1 John 1 and, 9, 1 and 9, it says, If we confess our sins, that's a big if, okay? If. We confess our sins. He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Not just part of it. Every bit of it. Isn't that a wonderful promise? That you can go to the Lord any day of the week, day or night, and take your sins to Him. Ask Him to forgive you and He is going to do it. That is a great promise. 
bring us back into relationship with Him. Now, I don't know about you and your repenting, but there's been a few sins in my life that I've repented of it, asked the Lord to forgive me for it, and then I find myself two days later with the same thing. (laughs) You know, that little light bulb goes off, and you're thinking, hmm, this must be one of my weaknesses here. (laughs) I need to work on this one. (laughs) I need to really think about this. I keep going back to him. And you know, if we keep going back to him, it should be a little painful, right? With the same thing. (laughs) Dad, I wrecked the car. Okay, I forgive you. Dad, I wrecked the car. Okay, I forgive you. Dad, I wrecked the car. (laughs) Don't you think that a, a son or a daughter that keeps going to their natural parent and telling them they're sorry for the same thing over and over again should sooner or later feel kind of bad about it? Well, we should too. But see, that's the thing about it. If we keep going there, maybe we'll feel bad enough about it. If we keep going back with the same thing, we'll quit doing it. (laughs) That's what the Lord wants us to do. He wants us to quit doing it. One guy said this, one commentator said, A Christian must never leave off repenting, for I fear he never leaves off sinning. Isn't that the truth? If we don't repent, we'll never quit doing it. We're just going to keep. Now, I'm not telling you that you're going to get to this place in your experience that you are never going to commit a sin. But you see, the promise is still there. We're going to keep sinning. We're going to keep messing up. We're going to keep making mistakes. But the Lord wants us to keep acknowledging those things to Him and keeping that relationship with Him, keeping it going, keeping this closeness with Him. And I think that's the only way to murder a besetting sin, some sin that keeps messing us up, is keep going to the cross with it. Go to the cross and crucify it when you go to the Lord and ask Him to forgive you. Now, this message of repentance, I know we're talking about lost things, but when I begin to look at this, did you know that repentance is a very large subject in the Bible? I mean, it is a huge subject in the Scriptures. John the Baptist began his ministry with a message on repentance. If you go back and read over in the Gospel of Matthew, here comes John the Baptist on the scene saying, Repent ye, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. That was his first message. Repent, Pharisees. Your doctrine's wrong. Repent. You're going over to the temple. You're throwing a sheep up on the altar for your crimes and your sins, but you have nothing in your heart. You don't even feel bad about it. You're just throwing it up there. How sad it was for them when they would come to God's temple, throw something up there just to offer it for their sins and their covetousness, and they didn't even feel any remorse for it. What kind of a person is that that says that they have a relationship with God? Many of them did repent. They were baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ, his, one of his first messages was about repentance. From that time, Jesus began to preach and say, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. It's here. You've been looking for it, and I hope you're looking for it. Here it is. 
It's time for you to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ and to follow Him. The kingdom is here. And some of them listened. 3,000 were baptized on one day and 5,000 on another. They repented. Peter's first message was a message of repentance. Go over to Acts chapter 2 and... Peter's now getting the message himself. <laughs> it took him a while. <laughs> but he finally understands what's going on. And he's standing before the Jews. And he said, Therefore let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God made that same Jesus whom ye have crucified, both Lord and Christ. You crucified the Messiah. You murdered him. <laughs> you didn't believe him. Now when they heard this, they were pricked in their heart and said unto Peter and to the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? Now there's a person who's growing spiritually. They're beginning to ask God what they should do. That's a good thing for all of us to ask, isn't it? Not only in the kingdom, but anywhere. Lord, what would you have me to do? And Peter gave them an answer. He said, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. For the promises unto you, your children, and to all that are afar off, even as many as the Lord God shall call. Now you may say, you know, I've committed some pretty bad sins. Are any of them as bad as crucifying Jesus? Well, apparently... Jesus forgave them. And they were baptized and had a relationship with Christ. This was the very beginning of the New Testament church. Well, we come down to the lost silver piece. Which woman, having ten pieces of silver, if she lose one piece, doth not light a candle and sweep the house and seek diligently till she finds it? She's lost a piece of silver. And she really is looking for it. She wants to find it. And she's lighting a candle. And she's sweeping diligently to find this piece of silver. Now, this, this is pretty valuable, I would assume. As I said, we're all valuable to the Lord Jesus Christ. And she finds it. And she calls her friends and neighbors together saying, Rejoice with me, for I have found the piece which I have lost. She's rejoicing. Jesus rejoices when we're found. But notice what he says. Likewise, I say unto you, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner that repenteth. And in the previous one, he says, there's joy in heaven when one person repents. Now, that's a pretty big audience, isn't it? I mean, in our church, we really rejoice when somebody repents and they become a member of the church and we see their lives beginning to change. My life changed here. And there were a lot of people rejoicing here when that happened. A lot of them aren't here anymore. A lot of my family members are no longer here that rejoiced when we came to this church and we heard the truth and were baptized in His name. They were rejoicing. There were tears shed. But Jesus just made this audience even bigger than that. There's joy in heaven. The angels are rejoicing. I mean, that's, that's a huge audience because there's an innumerable company of angels that God has created that rejoice when one 
One. One sinner repents. That means that me or you, one person that repents that there's all this rejoicing going on. Now, I'll tell you what I think about this. I think the audience is even bigger than that. It's in heaven. I'm going to say that you may have a mother up there that's rejoicing with the angels and with Christ that you have repented. Or there may be a praying grandmother up there that has prayed all her life that you would come home to Jesus Christ. And they say, it's finally happened. I've been up here anticipating this moment and I rejoice that my son, my daughter, my grandson, my granddaughter has now repented and changed their life and come to the church of Jesus Christ. Now that's a that's a pretty large audience, isn't it? It's not just a large audience. It's an important audience. You see, the lives that we lead have a larger audience than we think they do. We just think we're down here running around, and this audience is very small. But I want you to know that we are before a lot of people. Paul said we're before an innumerable company of angels. To Jesus Christ in the church of the firstborn. You may think I just came to this little church this morning, and I'm going to hear a message... And I'll go home, maybe carry something with me. Did you know that every time we meet in God's house that we're being observed? You're being observed. We're all being observed. That's what scares me when I walk into this pulpit is I'm being observed. I've got a master teacher. What I say and do is being observed. So it's, it's, this is more important than we think it is. It's very important. Important to God, important to Jesus Christ. If one sinner repents and, and there's joy in heaven over that, don't you think us being here this morning is important to God? You can be sure that it is. When they met just a few at a time at the very beginning of the church, it was important to God. Those few disciples that met together after the ascension of Jesus Christ is recorded in this book. There weren't very many of them. But it was important to God. This is important business. It's the most important business on planet earth. That we're in his house and we're members of his church. We're brothers and sisters in Christ. Very important. Don't think it's not important. It's more important your job. It's more important than the politics going on in the world. It's more important who's the president. It's more important than anything. God's house, his people. And us and our demeanor here, and our relationship with Jesus Christ. So we've got the woman, she's found her silver. She's calling people together, and she's rejoicing over. You know, this is a message he wants the Pharisees to understand. They have no need of repentance. They're judging Jesus, but here's the publicans and sinners, and they're listening. They want to know something from this man who's preaching a message. They want to know more. Give me more about Jesus. We sing that song, more, more about Jesus. I want to know more about Him. That's a hungry soul, isn't it? That's a healthy soul, somebody that's hungry for the truth of God's Word. And so Jesus is talking about repentance, and they were the ones that really needed it. So now we get to something 
that's very important. We've looked at a sheep. Pharisees might say, they might have understood about a sheep. They may have understood about a silver coin. I'm sure they did. They were, they were Pharisees. They were covetous. But now we're getting to a person. Now we're getting to something that might be important to every one of us as a person. A certain man had two sons. The younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the goods that fall to me. And he divided to him his living. He's basically saying, Dad, I wish you were dead. Just give me the inheritance. That's basically what he's telling his father. Back in that day, that's what you're saying to your father. And the Pharisees are rolling their eyes when Jesus is giving this parable because he knows that there is no father who is a Jew, especially a Pharisee, that would actually give his son the inheritance and let him take it and go. That wouldn't happen. You know, the sermons Jesus preached were way out there, you might say. <laughs> Some of the things he said shocked people as he preached it. That's why they hated him so much. But the common man heard him gladly. So just give it to me, Dad. I'm going to go. And so long, I don't care what happens to you. I'm going to go out. And I'm going to enjoy everything that I can that this world has to offer me. I wonder how many young people have thought that. I'm just going to go out into the world and just have a big time. Just get as much fun as I can have. And so this son takes it. And he goes out and he gathered together, all together, took his journey to a far country. He wanted to get as far away from this old man and his family as he possibly could. And he wasted it with riotous living. You know, the world will waste you. It'll waste everything you've got. Everything, your health your possessions, everything. And this famine arose, and it began to be in want. You know, I've always wondered, who caused that famine anyway? <laughs> they who did, God did. <laughs> yeah, he, he brought this famine, and so uh, he spent everything. He began to be in want. So he's, he joins himself to a citizen of that country, and he just sends him into the field to feed the pigs. Now, that's something Jews didn't like anyway, but that's the only thing he could do. At least, I'll give him credit for this. At least he had a job. <laughs> and he would fain have filled his belly with the husk that the swine did eat, and no man gave him to him. Nobody gave him anything after that because he didn't have anything. You know, you're important when you got money. You find that in this world, right? If you've got a lot of money, you got a lot of friends. But when you have nothing, you find who your friends really are. And so he, um, he's over there feeding these pigs, probably smelled like them, lived in the pen with them. But here's the beautiful part of the story, my favorite part every time I read this. When he came to himself, he realized who he really was. I remember who I am. I'm a child of a very wealthy man. And that's what we all are. Our Heavenly Father owns the cattle of a thousand hills, all the gold of Ophir. He can do exceeding abundantly above all that we might ask or think in our personal lives. And He comes to this place. 
And he says, even the servants have plenty to eat in my father's house, and I'm perishing here with hunger. And then that light bulb comes on. (laughs) He realizes what he's done. I'll go back to my father's house. I'll go back, and I'm going to say to my father, I have sinned against heaven and before thee, and am no more worthy to be called thy son. Make me as one of the hired servants. Now, what is that anyway? That's repentance. He comes to realize who he is, what he's done, and he comes to this place of repentance in his life. Now, is the father going to let him back? Well, the Pharisees are thinking in their mind, there is no way this person's coming back to my house. And that's what they were thinking when Jesus was given this parable. But you see, Jesus exalts our Heavenly Father, doesn't he? He's more forgiving than sometimes the natural father is. Isn't that an amazing thing, how forgiving that God is of us? We can go and repent. He forgives. He tells us in his book. We can go and repent. He's going to still forgive us. Now, sometimes we don't want God to forgive some people. But you see, that's the younger son, or the older son later. We're not going to get into that this morning. His, 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 his forgiveness is sovereign. He forgives when he wants to forgive. And it tells us that we can go and he will forgive us. But I wonder how many times we've been kind of like this son. How many times have we maybe not done what's right? Maybe not given as we should. Not respected God as we should. Not spoken to God as we should. Not prayed to God as we should. Not read his book as we should. I mean, we're kind of like this anyway, aren't we? We may not be exactly this bad at this point, but, you know, all of us have a little bit of this in us. I'm no more worthy to be called the son. Make me as one of the hired sons. So he arose and he goes to his father. Here's repentance. Here's that bridge. He's going back to this relationship with the father. And as he was yet a great way off, his father saw him. And had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. Father's been looking for him. He's been praying for him. He's been longing for that relationship that he lost with this son. And he doesn't just wait for him to come in and beg. He's running to him. What a wonderful picture of God, our heavenly father that forgives us. And he ran and he had compassion. He fell on his neck and kissed him. And the Pharisees are saying, there's no way I would do that. I wouldn't forgive him, that rebellious son. Oh, but he's doing it. He's forgiving him. He can't even get the words out of his mouth to say, forgive me. He can't even get the words out of his mouth. He kissed him. I'm not worthy. Well, none of us are worthy, are we? Is anybody here worthy this morning to be a son of God? Raise your hand if you're worthy. (laughs) And you're not worthy. I'm not. None of us are worthy. But the father said to his servants, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet. Oh, he's given him some authority now. He's put the ring on his hand. He's taking off the filthy garments. He's putting on the robes of righteousness. And he's giving something to travel with, some shoes so that he's not walking in the mud anymore. That's a beautiful picture of the forgiveness that God gives us 
when we come to Him and we ask for it. Let us have a feast now. Bring the fatted calf and kill it. Let us eat and be merry. For my son was dead and is alive again and was lost. Lost. And now he's found. He was dead. He wasn't physically dead. But he was dead in his relationship to the Father. That's a deadness. That's a lostness. When we are dead in our relationship to God and His Son, Jesus Christ. So this chapter is about lost things. And it's about being found. And it's about the Father's forgiveness. I hope it's been a blessing to you this morning, and you might be able to read that and gain some more from it in your own personal reading. If you're here today, you want to be a part of this church, we give you the opportunity as we stand and sing. Thank you for listening to SuccessfulSavior.org, the ministry of Harmony Primitive Baptist Church. This has been Elder Neil Phelan, Jr., preaching from one of our regular meetings. Come and join us as we worship God in the simplicity of Christ every Sunday morning at 416 North Hall Street in Donaldson, Arkansas. At Harmony, we don't have many things that are so common in the religion of our day, but we do have a successful Savior. We invite you to come and see.